Commodore and I are going to take a little advantage of this weather break in the rain and we're going to take a walk. I swear nothing makes him happier. Thanks for coming on this walk with Commodore and I. Uh, happy weekends. Happy episode 35 of Together for Salem. We're glad you decided to join us. If you've watched before, you kind of know the drill. I'll say a quick welcome and then John will come on with part four this week of Faith That Works, how to be happy when the world is falling apart. If you haven't seen the other three parts, you can do that. They're on the website. Uh, also on YouTube, you can like and subscribe. And that's a great way just to get notified when we put new content out there. Uh, fill out the welcome form online if you've got questions, if you want a, a free Bible, if you don't have a Bible to read. Uh, maybe you want an e-gift card. You can check that box too. It's also a place to ask for prayer and ask questions and just say hello. So we'd love it if you'd fill out the welcome form, but I'm not going to take up any more of your time. Commodore is ready to go and we're going to keep going on our walk and we'll see you on the other side. Here's John, part four, Faith That Works. You want to know one of my favorite games? I hate this game, but for some reason, I can't stop playing it. And I think I've noticed a lot of you love and hate this game as well. I call this game, I don't know what you call it, but I call this game, What If? And I'm so good at it. What if I lose my job? What if I get sick or what if my kids get sick? What if the country falls apart? What if, and you can put your thing there, I know when we were, having babies and, and my wife was pregnant is always like, what if something goes wrong? That was my favorite thing to play. Humans are very creative. We're, we're unique in that we can imagine the future, worry about it, worry about things that haven't happened yet, that might not even happen, and then let it ruin our happiness now. Isn't that crazy? And the thing about worry is it never produces happiness, right? Have you ever met a happy worrier? You haven't. Because worry is a consistent thief of our happiness. Think about it. Every time you're worried, you're not happy. Worry is a consistent thief of our happiness. You can't have both at the same time. You can't have worry and happiness at the same time. But as we've been saying in this series, God wants us to be happy. God wants us to experience happiness. Jesus came so that we could experience happiness now and for eternity. And so what do we do with worry, especially now, especially as it seems like the world's falling apart? Who knows what's going to happen next week? What do we do about this worry? Where does it come from and how can we take care of it? And I think this week might challenge you a little bit, and that's okay. It's good we grow through challenge, right? But here's what we're going to see this week. Our level of self-reliance determines our level of happiness. Our level of self-reliance determines our level of, level of happiness. And this might actually be backward than what, than what you think I'm saying, so we'll get there. And the answer that we find for this worry and this self-reliance and happiness comes from what we call the book of James. 
James was Jesus' little brother. And he wrote probably the earliest New Testament book that we have, and it's a letter he wrote to ancient Jesus followers. And in this letter, here's what Jesus' little brother James says. He says, look here. He's starting to get fired up by the time he's at this point in the letter. Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Jeez, James. <laughs> like, you just lay it out there, okay? I mean, like, what he just said, really, like, that just causes me more worry. Our life is, is just a fog. Like, James is saying, hey, guess what? You're gonna die. Oh, good, I feel so much better now. But, like, in reality, right, he's just talking about the facts of life. The, the, the polls are, are right that 10 out of 10 people are going to die. That's like the guaranteed thing in life. We are going to die. And what James is doing, he's reminding the, the people he's writing to that, that life is short. We know that, right? We say it. We don't always believe it, right? We don't want to believe it. But life is short. And so he's saying, why waste it on worry? Why waste our short life on worry? Then James highlights one of the root causes of worry. What we're going to call arrogant pride. And you're like, oh, okay, that does not sound like me at all. I'm good. Well, <laughs> let me explain it a little bit first. Arrogant pride, this idea that, well, I'm going to do this with my life, and I'm going to do that with my life, and I've got a plan, and here's my five-step plan to being successful in life, and anything that comes my way, I'm going to be able to take care of. I've got this. This all depends on me. You see the common theme in that? It's I, right? My life depends on me, and I'm going to do this, and I've got that. I'm, I'm, I have this pride in myself. I have this arrogant pride. And see, we think that this self-reliance, especially as Americans, we think that self-reliance is like this virtue that we all need to have. We need to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We need to be independent and just really not really rely on anybody else and just make our own way, right? But the problem with that is, deep down, we all know that when we rely on ourselves, we're relying on someone who will most likely let us down. I think you've probably experienced yourself letting yourself down a few times in life, right? When we rely on ourselves, we are relying on someone who will most likely let us down. Probably not most likely, will let us down. See, when we look at ourselves realistically, when we have those moments of honesty and, and true self-reflection, we know we're not that powerful to control our lives. We know there's parts of us that aren't that great, that we would really rather not have be part of us. And so what James is saying, it, the problem isn't in having plans, right? It's good, good to have some plans and, and take steps to, to better our lives and have a plan for our life. The problem is thinking that our life depends on us and we can control our future. That's exhausting. When you truly feel like your life, everything that happens to you depends on you, and you have this, this need to control the future so that your life turns out the way you want it to be, it's exhausting. And so James actually points out how ridiculous this thinking is. See, because you know this, we have no control over our actual life. We have no control over what, what happens to us in our lives. When, and when we forget that 
you know what? We're not in control of our lives. There's actually more going on in this world than we can see. We forget that we are all under the will of God. And that's where that arrogance comes in. We kind of put our place, put ourselves in the place of God. So do we have free will? You might be asking if you're kind of thinking through this idea. Yes, we have free will. We, we make decisions for ourselves and, and we're responsible for those decisions. But does God also direct the events of our lives? Yes. How does that all work together? I don't know how to explain that perfectly. But we have free will and God has a plan and a, a, a direction for life. So however that works, James is saying, here's what God says. I love you. You can trust me. You can't, we can't even control if we're going to have another heartbeat. But God says, look, if, if you think your life depends on you, you're just fooling yourself. And we know that, right? We can't control our next, our next breath. And when we feel that way, when we feel like it all depends on us, and we, have to, we are just relying on ourselves to get through life, the result is not happiness. The result actually is misery. See, because it brings fear. Self-reliance brings fear. Fear that our plans won't work out. Fear, you ever stay up at night worrying about this scenario and that scenario, and then you got to remember to do this, and oh, you forgot to think about that? See, fear, that, that worry, that self-reliance brings the fear of, maybe I don't know enough. Maybe I haven't done enough. Maybe I haven't thought through this problem enough. Maybe I'm not rich enough to actually do what I want to do. And these unmet expectations, this, this unmet... Um, desire to to control events just ends in disappointment, even anger. See, self-reliance only adds disappointment and exhaustion to our fear. We're already afraid, and so when we think it all depends on us, our self-reliance only adds disappointment and exhaustion to our fear. And James is saying that ultimately this self-reliance, if you really like drill down on it and think about it, is an arrogant disregard for God. I've got this. I don't need God. This is my thing. I'm powerful enough to control my future. When we think that everything in life depends completely on us. What James is saying is, there's a better way than this. But James isn't done yet. He still still has to yell at a few people. See, first there's another aspect of this, this reliance, this arrogance thing that he needs to talk about. And so he goes on. Like I said, he's fired up. Again, he says, look here, you rich people. And this is like class, this is like true, pure James. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. Yeah! Take that, rich people! Hold on. Because first, are you watching this with electricity? On a smartphone? On a laptop? On a TV? In a house? Are you wearing clothes that might you know, be less than 10 years old? Are you well-fed? Are you semi-healthy? Are you an American? You're rich. James is talking about rich people. In the history of the world, probably who I'm talking to right now, you are considered super rich. You have running water in your house, right? And you can like go to the bathroom inside your house. Yeah, you're rich. So 
That's James is talking to us. Second, James isn't saying that being rich is automatically bad. He's saying that many, and whether they think about it or not, many of us rely on wealth to make us happy. See, there's this arrogant self-reliance, but then there's this self-reliance that is about our wealth and what we can, what we can make and afford and that type of thing. We rely on our wealth to make us happy. And you, we, you know, we all say, I don't do that, right? I know money doesn't make me happy. In fact, we know more money won't make us happy. But we still want a chance to try, right? We all want that chance to try to let money make us happy. We know money won't make us happy, but we still want a chance to try. We're all there. We, we, we've heard it. Money won't make you happy, but maybe a little bit more wouldn't, wouldn't hurt. And James says, when that's our thinking, weep and groan with anguish. Why? Because what we are relying on, what we think will give us happiness, is nothing. It's empty. It's corroded. It's moth-eaten. It will rot. It will go away faster than you can imagine. And it is completely unreliable. See, think about it. Relying on wealth for happiness never creates happiness. What does it actually create? Greed. Have you ever met a greedy, happy person? See, it's impossible to be both greedy and happy. You might say, well, I'm not greedy. I just, I just need a little bit more. The problem is we, no matter how much we have, we say, well, I'm not greedy. I just need a little bit more. And so the real question is, what are you relying on for your happiness? Are you relying on yourself? Are you relying on your wealth? What are you relying on? And then James goes on. He kind of puts the knife a little deeper. He says, for listen, look here, look at me. Hear the cries of the field workers, and there's a different culture than most of our cultures. Hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. It's a big deal. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves, COVID-19, you have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. This guy's intense, right? Imagine growing up with him. That's why Jesus, he gave Jesus, God gave James Jesus as a brother. Again, James isn't saying wealth is bad. In fact, wealth can be good when it's seen through God's perspective as a tool and as, as an opportunity to love others, to care for others. The problem, again, is a reliance on wealth that makes us willing to do whatever it takes to get it. A reliance on wealth that makes us willing to lie, to fight others, to cheat others, to even kill others, to, to ignore the plight of others who are giving us this lifestyle that we, we crave to get it. That's the problem. See, and then once we achieve what we've fought for, what we've pushed others down to get, we neglect those who we could help with this wealth. We focus on, only on our wants, and our desires, and our vacations, and our, our massages, and our new cars, and our new devices, and all these things. When we could budget a little bit and help others, but we, re we think all this wealth will make us happy. And when we rely on possessions, we usually devalue persons. When we rely on possessions, we usually devalue persons because they become either tools or obstacles to us getting what we want. And a little side note on this idea, 
about generosity, right? Giving to others. We, most of us say, oh yeah, I would love to be generous. Like that sounds great being generous. But you know, I just, when I have more money, I'll be generous because I just can't afford to be generous right now. No, you won't. It's, it's a fact, you, you won't. See, generosity isn't about an amount. Generosity isn't an amount. Generosity is a reliance on God. It's not about how much you give that makes you generous. It's the fact that you are relying on God who gives so that you can now be generous with whatever amount you think you've, God has told you is generous. So with all of this, this self-reliance, this money reliance, that type of thing, what do we do instead? Like James has really beat us up now, right? Like probably feeling a little guilty. We've got like this hellfire stuff coming at us. What can we do instead? And James says, well, here's what you do. You change your perspective. He says, dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. <clears throat> they eager, eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Here's how we can kind of sum that up. An eternal perspective lets us enjoy every moment. An eternal perspective lets us enjoy every moment. See, when we admit that it's impossible to be happy relying on anything other than God, we're actually able to be patient and wait for God to do what he says he will do. He says he will take care of us. And so James is saying, take courage, which really, you know, is the opposite of worry. Take courage. Or in, in, other, in other words, we could phrase it, why worry when we can wait? Why worry about our life when we can wait on God to show up? Why worry when we can wait? See, God promises to take care of us. And ultimately, he promises that he will undo every pain. He will wipe away every tear. And we might not see it in this life, but if, if we're a Jesus follower, we know that there's more than just this life to think about. There's more than just this life that we get. In fact, Jesus followers believe, and if you're not a Jesus follower, here's what we believe. Jesus followers believe that Jesus is coming back to end. Why doesn't God do something about all this, all this evil in the world and all this pain? We believe Jesus actually, Jesus promised he's coming back to end the division to end the pain, to end the suffering that we all know deep down doesn't actually belong here because it wasn't part of the original plan. And when we have that perspective that we don't, there's nothing else to rely on other than God, we don't have to worry about the, the what-ifs of life because God has already promised what will be. There's no more what-ifs to worry about because God, you know God promised what will be. So we can patiently endure. We can patiently wait. And at the same time, we can enjoy the life God has given us. We can actually find happiness. See, it's not that we don't plan or work. That's not what James is saying. Farmers do plenty of, of planning and working. They work and they wait. They do both, right? They work the fields, they plant, and then they wait for the harvest. And when we trust that God is who he says he is, and that he will do what he says he will do, we're able to plan. We're able to do our best. And then we can rest and leave the results to God. And so you might be asking, well, how do I know I'm relying on God? Like that seems very um, ethereal and kind of out there. It's not very tangible. How do I know I'm relying on God? Great question. James is so smart. He gives us 
He gives us a test to help us know if we're relying on God. Here's what he says. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. FYI, grumbling, complaining, whining, that's not being patient. That's not courageously waiting on the Lord. See, complaining is proof that we aren't relying on God for our happiness. Well, why don't I have this? Why don't I have that? This isn't fair. I don't like this. Well, if you believe God's in control, then you're complaining against God if you think about it. See, complaining is proof that we aren't relying on God for our happiness. Have you ever met a happy complainer? No. And what's worse is God's given us people in our lives to love us and to show us his love. And then we complain about them instead of showing them love. We're not relying on God. Complaining is proof that we aren't relying on God for our happiness. And so to sum up everything that James has been saying, if what Jesus said and if what Jesus showed us about God is true, that God loves us, that he made us on purpose, that he's not some distant cosmic force that just kind of started everything and let it go, but he is intimately involved in our lives, that he loved us so much that he came as a person, Jesus, and Jesus said, I am God. Here's, here's what God is like. Look at me. Look how I love. Look how I serve. That is how God loves you. If that's true, and I believe it is, because if somebody can predict their death and resurrection and then pull it off, I usually will believe everything they said. And Jesus said, hey, I'm God. Look at me. You see the Father. If, that's, if what Jesus said about God is true, then we can start seeing our lives are in the hands of a loving God. That our lives may be short, but they have infinite meaning and infinite purpose that lasts for eternity. <clears throat> See, our reliance shapes our perspective, and our perspective shapes our reality. I know that's kind of confusing. I'm going to say it again, and then I'll explain it. Our reliance shapes our perspective, and our perspective shapes our reality. When we rely on God... When we, when we realize we can't rely on ourselves or our wealth or anything else, but when we realize that we can rely on God, we gain his perspective. We see that we, we can rest in his love. We can rest in his care that, that big problems, small problems, they're not really even problems to God. They're not things that caught him by surprise. They're part of his, his, his design, things that he's allowed to come into our lives and he's with us in them. See, when we rely on God, we gain his perspective. And when we see our world and our challenges from his perspective, we are able to be happy even when it seems like the world's falling apart. So how do we do this? Like, okay, I kind of get what you're saying, John, but like, give me something to do because, you know, otherwise it's just kind of like I'm just talking to the air. Like, how is this going to affect our life? How do we add this to our lives? Well, play a game. Let's play a new version of what if. See, when you, the usual what ifs start forcing their, their way in, when they're like, play this game. No, when the usual what ifs start forcing their way in, change the question, not what if this happens or what if that happens. What if, change the question to what if God hears me? What if God sees me, knows me, and loves me? Then what if God has my best interest in mind? What if he actually does? See, what if there is a God 
And he sees me, he hears me, he knows me, he loves me. He has my best interest in mind. What if I can rely on Jesus like he said I could? What if it's true that he will never leave me? He will never ditch me. He'll never just leave me on my own to figure this stuff out. What if that's all true? How would that change your life? What if it is? Even Jesus followers, even if you've been a Jesus follower for a hundred years, I think sometimes we need a reliance reminder. Maybe that can be, this can be that. A A reliance reminder that what if everything I say I believe is actually true about God? It's actually true that Jesus saved me for eternity so I can trust him with my now. And so for me, this is kind of what I've been working on because I'm, I'm just a natural worrier. I just have been my whole life. But for me, my new thing, especially at 3 a.m. in the morning when all the, what, the old what-ifs start popping into my head, here's my new routine that I'm, I'm still working on, but it's been helping, is this. I stop once I realize what's happening, probably an hour into it, and I say, God, here's what I'm worried about. And I have a friend who recommended, hey, maybe even just get up and write down what you're worried about. God, here's what I'm worried about. List it. Tell him. I'm worried about my job. I'm worried about the economy or, or the country or whatever. Here's what I'm worried about. Now it's your problem. Good night. <laughs> and I tell you what, it, for me at least, it works. God, I am worried about this. And now I've told you and you are God. I can't do anything about it. It's your problem. I'm going to sleep while you figure it out. See, we ask ourselves, why am I worrying when I can wait on you? Why am I worrying when I can just patiently wait for God to work things out? Like he says, he will. So what can we do? We can play a new version of what if, and then I challenge us all this week, maybe twice, maybe three times, maybe more. Read Matthew 6, 19 through 34. Read what Jesus says about worry and what Jesus says about how much God loves us and cares about us, and then realize Jesus was God in a body saying this about himself and what that actually means for our right now lives. And remember, God directs and he ultimately provides, but we still need to do our part, right? We don't just sit back and be like, God, take care of things. No, he's going to give us ways that we can be part of the solution too. We do our part, but we also wait on God to do his. And so you might be thinking, well, you know, this rely on God thing, that's just like fatalism or uh, wishful thinking, right? Let's just put our heads in the sand and, and see what God does. Like, is there any proof that we can rely on God? And I'll tell you, I would say, yes, there is proof we can rely on God. That proof is Jesus who said, like I said earlier, said he was God, said, hey, I'm God, I love you, and I'm going to die for you. In fact, I'm going to die, and and then in three days, I'm going to come back to life to show you that I have power even over death. And then he actually did it, and there was over 500 eyewitnesses, and we have those historical accounts for us in the New Testament. So can we trust God? Can we actually, is there proof we can rely on God? I'd say there's historical proof we can rely on God. And we all know that life is short. Why waste it worrying about things that might or might not happen? Why waste our short life exhausting ourselves by trying to rely on ourselves to make us happy? Why waste our short lives fighting for wealth that won't do what it promises and won't even last? Think about it. What if all of this is true? What if you can have a personal relationship with God simply by saying, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me for the hurt I've caused. 
Please come into my life. Make me new. Transform me to be more like you. I give you my life. I give you my, I rely on you instead of me for a new life. What if that is true? What if Jesus was right? What if God is real? What if he hears you and he sees you and he knows you and he loves you enough to die for you before you could ever do anything to earn it? What if that's true? Has what you've been doing, has that been working for you? See, you know this. Self-reliance only leads to fear, anxiety, stress, and worry. It doesn't lead to happiness. We can willingly trust God. Can you try that? Maybe, maybe for a week or maybe with one situation. Just say, God, I am worried about this. Now it's your problem. Let's see what you got. I think can we, is, we can try that. Just one situation. Jesus, in, in, if you read Matthew, you'll see this. In his wisdom, he's, he said like one of those deepest things I think about worry. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Right? All I'm worrying about is that can add a moment? No, I can add a second to your life. Will trusting Jesus add a moment to your life? I believe it'll add eternity to your life. See, when you choose to rely on God, you choose a reliable happiness because we can trust him, we know he loves us, and there's proof that we can rely on him. When you choose to rely on God, you choose a reliable happiness. So let's rely on what's reliable and choose to be happy. Thanks, John. Those were good questions. Uh, reflection, contemplation, um, new things to consider, maybe new ways to ask the what if, play the what if game, which I really appreciated. Um, also reading Matthew 6, that's a great challenge for all of us. Uh, get a buddy, read along with them. If any of these questions or things that were talked about in this episode uh, challenged you or resonated with you or made you um, wanna follow up and ask more questions, you can use our email address or that form on the website. I'll put the link here in the show notes. And we just thank you for watching. Thanks for taking the time because there's a lot of good content out there. So thanks for spending time with us. Uh, we, a few couple other things before I send you on your way to your next whatever you're doing. Uh, remember, you can always listen to us on the podcast. If you're a podcast listener right now, hello, thank you. That's my favorite thing to do on these walks. Uh, but it's a great way to take a screen break and get outside and listen to some great content. You can subscribe to our podcast. We are on all your favorite podcasting apps. I'll put links in the show notes for that as well. Uh, we're doing a four Salem challenge this November, which we're really excited about. We're gonna be joining with United Way and our friends at Garmin and doing a pajama drive. So it's really easy. You basically log into Amazon Smile, pick out the pajamas and they get given to some people that are in need. And it benefits all the organizations listed here on the screen. So it's a great thing for us to do in November to give back um, to the community and to take part in something that's great that's already happening through United Way. So we encourage you to buy a pair of pajamas, maybe two or three, um, and we'll put links in the show notes on how to do that. But that's our November for Salem challenge. All right, some questions are gonna get put up here on the screen for you to talk about in your connect groups. A lot of connect groups are transitioning to Zoom for a couple weeks. Um, so this is just a great way for you to connect with each other and take this content a little bit further and application. If you're not in the Connect group, we have room for you in Connect groups. If you don't want to meet in person, we have Connect groups, obviously, that are Zooming. Uh, we have options for you, but let us know. 
There's a link in the show notes and on the screen, and we would love to connect with you. So have a great week. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you next time.